When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so glad to be able to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Up first today, I want to help you avoid some of the tactics that get you to spend more money shopping. And the impulse to shop is strong anyway for us, but retailers have become so adept at getting us to spend with them, I want to tell you how to rein that in. And we're going to, uh, this is a family show, but I'm going to cuss right now. I'm going to say the word annuity. Annuities are selling like crazy right now. And I'm going to tell you later why that's happening and what you need to be careful and aware of before you get sucked in by that annuity salesperson. So speaking of getting sucked in, spending money, retailers, retailing is having such a rough ride. I mean, it's, it's, let's make no bones about it. It's tough being a retailer today. And so they are using more and more psychological tactics to get you to buy. If you're worried you spend too much money on impulse stuff. I want you to know that your phone is the enemy of your wallet when it comes to retail. Okay, how often do you see something that says, for special prices, give us your cell phone number? What's that about? Okay, they will give you discounts that will come to you by text. And that's why they want your phone number. But it's not for the discount. It's because they get you to buy things you wouldn't buy otherwise. Social media. You follow a company on social media, they got their claws in you, in, really into your wallet big time. Because all this is about creating sales purchase momentum. That, and it could be a brand you really like. I, I don't know anything about clothing brands, but so often it is in the clothing category where we have a wardrobe and they're just trying to get us to fill it in more. I haven't mentioned this in a long time, but I, in the past, have bought houses that were built a long time ago. I bought two houses that were built in the 1930s at different times. I lived in homes from that era and both of them in the primary bedroom had a closet for a couple that there was no walk-in. You pulled a door and there was one rod and it would hold maybe, oh, 16 items of clothing. That was it. And people did just fine with 16 items of clothing. That was what they had. Today, people have storage units for all their excess clothing. I mean, we are clothes horses in the United States. And 
know that the spending you do, if you look at what you got already, think how many things you're not wearing, not using. So avoid the temptation if you know that's who you are of downloading the app from a retailer, especially a clothing one, or a manufacturer, clothing manufacturer. Don't have it. Don't give them your cell phone number. Don't follow them anywhere. (laughs) Because if you do, you have a natural affinity for clothing. You have a natural affinity for that brand. You're gonna spend more money. What if you want discounts? I mean, I'm, I sign up for email lists because right. I'll get coupons. And then there's right. some brands I wouldn't buy without my discount. Right. All right. So we're talking about this trade-off. So you got a 20% discount, but then you've spent the other 80% that maybe would be better in your pocket. True. So this is the hard part with the bargains, the constant parade of sale, 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 sale. And you get this deal because... You're on our mailing list. You get this deal because you follow us on social or whatever, is that if you're saving 10, 20, even 50%, you're still taking real money out of your wallet and you're buying things. So if you really think about it and you got all these things that are far more clothing than you need, that you can't wear all of them, then maybe you want to give up that hook and not buy those items. And then there's the whole like, this many people are looking at this item right now, you'll see on a website, or there's only two left in this size. Thank you for mentioning that because that came from the airline industry. And retailers have very heavily adopted that over the last two years that the airline industry has been able to get people to impulse buy a ticket because they'll say, only one seat left at this fair. Okay, so I try to, I don't know if you remember this, I did this experiment where I would take that seat, go to a private browsing session, and then I wouldn't finish the booking, but I'd take that seat and then I'd see what the fare would do. It would go up $10 or something like that. It was really just a sales technique to get people to make that purchase. So when you see one item left, two items left, maybe it is true. Maybe you have a hard to find size and they really only have that, but know that the principal purpose of that is to create that urgency to buy. I'm a sucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go to this question from Houston in Georgia. As a graduation gift for my daughter, I'm planning on a nine to 10 day trip for two to Thailand somewhere in June and July of this year. That makes you a brilliant person that you want to go to Thailand. I am hoping that you can advise me on how to get the best bang for my buck, including the best days and times to travel, which tour companies to consider, trip insurance, visa requirements, etc. Is it cheaper to fly out of a different city? Also, I'm considering relocating to Thailand in a couple of years. Any advice or info? There's a lot in that. Yeah. Okay. So let's skip the reload. Go first to the last thing you said, different city. Fares to Asia almost always are going to be so much cheaper out of certain cities departing from the United States that it's worth it to buy a separate ticket to get to that gateway point. Um, With Asian markets, uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, that those four tend to have fares that, uh, gosh, there are cases where you'll pay a third the price out of one of those four what you'd pay out of your hometown. 
and domestic fares are cheap enough, just got to make sure that on your going, you cannot afford to miss your over-the-water flight. You got to go the day before from you're in Georgia, so you'd have to go to New York, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., the day before so that you can deal with flight delays, cancellations, whatever, so you don't miss the over the water, not as significant or important coming back. There aren't necessarily days of the week that'll be better. If you look at a fair calendar, you'll see that, you know, where you see the fares different days of the week, you'll see what day going, what day returning will get you the cheapest combo. Trip insurance is only necessary if you are buying a non-refundable ticket that is not changeable and you'd not be able to use the money later. Or you're buying a tour, you mentioned a tour operator, tour operator money often is non-refundable. So Thailand is such a user-friendly destination for foreigners that you really don't need a tour operator. You might, when you land somewhere, when you're in a place, you may want to buy a day tour from somebody. Those are readily and easily available, but you don't need an overall overriding tour operator. Hotels can be extremely inexpensive in Thailand, less than $10 a night to many thousands a night. They have the widest gap just about of any tourist destination in the world in hotel prices. And in between, you'll do just fine in most of Thailand somewhere around $100 a night or so, you should be able to get a really nice place to stay. No visa requirements for Americans there, at least not right now. No COVID testing requirements. And if you are going to live there, maybe permanently, go there as a renter for six months or a year first and see what it's like to actually live there versus just visit. And Captain Andy in North Carolina says, I know how much you love Zelle, so I thought I would share an offer from a big bank that just came in the mail. They're offering $225 cash to open an account with them. Nothing new here. Lots of banks do this, and I've taken advantage of these more than once before. However, while reading the fine print, terms and conditions on the bottom, I noticed a condition I've never seen before. One of the conditions to get the $225 is that enrollment in Zelle is required. Yes, and I will tell you, we have verified that Chase does this. I know because I did it in a TV segment where I showed the Chase policy saying that you were mandatorily required to be in Big Bad Zell. And Chase is one of the owners of Zell, the parent company of Zell. And this is disgusting self-dealing and putting customers in harm's way with this very, very, very dangerous app that you better have a really good reason in your life before you bring Zelle into it because the heartache that you can suffer with all the money disappearing from your account is brutal. So Chase, shame on you. Lexi in Ohio says, when should we buy term life insurance and how much? My husband and I are 28 with no kids or plans for kids in the future. We make about $160,000 combined, and we don't have any debt besides our mortgage. So just because you have no kids, and that's fantastic, you live a debt-free existence, only have your mortgage. Just because you have no kids doesn't mean you don't have a need for life insurance. You actually do have a need for life insurance to protect each other. And the untimely, unfortunate loss of one or the other of you, in addition to your sadness, 
you will leave a financial hole for the other. And that's why each of you should have your own level term insurance policy. Your late 20s, you could buy a 30-year level term. It's not going to carry your full working lifetime, but it would carry you a decent amount of your working lifetime. And the initial policy you should buy should be roughly 10 times each of your earnings. The policy is tax-free going among spouses. There's no tax issue involved. So I've got a guide at Clark.com that walks you through how to buy level term insurance. You want to know how to buy it the right way. And the wrong way is to go to a salesperson because they're going to tell you every reason why you don't want level term insurance, that you want some kind of permanent insurance policy. As for the fact that your policy would run out at 58, your income's going to rise over the years in a number of years, let's say 10 years from now, you would buy a second level term policy that then would carry you instead of 58, carry you to 68. The two of them would ride together and the premium on the later one would be higher because your mortality risk becomes higher at 38 than it would be at 28. But please protect each other by buying the level term insurance. And speaking of insurance, straight ahead, I'm going to cuss again. We're going to talk about annuities. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Annuities are hot right now. They are selling like crazy. This always happens following a tumultuous time in the stock markets. People saw a decline that was stomach churning in both stocks and very rare. I mean, the last time it happened, gosh, was it 130 years ago that stocks and bonds both fell in concert at nearly equal rates? It's very, very rare. And people saw right before their eyes this money they'd worked hard to save. They had put in investments that suddenly in one year's time, they may have lost average person, 17% of what they had invested. And that set the table perfectly for annuity salespeople to come in and say, oh, we can take care of this for you. We've got this perfect product that will protect you on the downside, but you're also getting the upside of the stock market. But are you really? No, no. Okay, the way these things work, and again, The salespeople, we were sad, we were depressed, we were distressed, depending on your emotional level with investing. When the market cratered, the insurance industry was ecstatic because they knew it was going to be their next wave of using fear to drive the sale of garbage indexed annuities. They don't use the word garbage in them. They may not even use the word annuity. That's a hot thing in the insurance industry since the word annuity is looked at as a cuss word because so many people have been burned by them. 
They will call them something else, anything else other than telling you it's an annuity. So what happens with these annuities that supposedly promise you stock market returns with zero risk? Zero risk. You get upside, but you could never lose money. Okay, we would like that the world worked like that. It doesn't. So what they do is they cap the gain you get from the market. And in up years, the market gains can be really high in a year, but you only get part of that. You also don't get the dividends from stocks, which are a big part of what you earn over time. And then on the downside, they say, okay, so you're not going to lose anything or the most you can lose is 5% or 10% or whatever, is you have to meet the contract language that could be 165 pages long and you miss something. You don't do everything exactly as required. You lose that downside protection. Plus, you don't have access to the money. If there's some reason you need the money, you get hit with massive, unbelievable surrender charges. Surrender charges are where you pay a massive penalty to get access to your money. Why do they charge such a massive penalty? Because these annuities have massive commissions for the salesperson, and that's why the salesperson is pushing these because they make the money. So the insurer, having paid these massive commissions, doesn't want to then lose money having paid the commissions because you say, this was dumb, I'm getting out. So they charge you those. I feel like we need to come up with another word for massive. (laughs) Gigantic. (laughs) Ginormous. Okay. Ginormica. Ugly. (laughs) Brutal. What like can you give an example like a percentage of what these commissions like if somebody puts you into a policy that's supposed to be like a hundred thousand dollars? It depends on the insurance company, but the commissions on insurance products many times exceed in the early years the premiums you've paid in. I mean, they oh can gosh. be quite large. Wow. That's why insurance agents have so much incentive to sell you whole life variable universal life, things like that. There are cases, rare cases, where whole life insurance makes sense. Variable universal life, never, never, not ever. All it does is blow up on people, as we've heard all through the decades. Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready for questions. Mark in Michigan says, I've always heard annuity equals bad. (laughs) What are your thoughts on multi-year guarantee annuity? Would I want one versus a CD or treasury bills? Yeah, so the industry's been making a case that now that interest rates have risen, that you will earn more from them in a guaranteed multi-year annuity. This is different than the index thing I was talking about, that they, the insurance company says, we promise we'll pay you 5% on an annuity for five years. Good luck finding that somewhere else. And then you are their prisoner for that period of time. You can't sell it, you you have that money with them. So right now, that promise does not seem great because you can earn, as we talked about on the podcast a week or two ago, there are now CDs paying over 5% for long terms. And then you have much more flexibility than you do with an annuity. Of annuities, this one is not a disaster for someone to go into one of these but you give up a lot of flexibility 
you go into one. So you'd have to be able to say, you know what, I'm getting a good two points higher in interest from it than what I can find in the marketplace for a CD of equal length. I would say that would be, to me, the tipping point where giving up that freedom with the money could potentially be worth it. Another one about annuities. Jubilant in Utah says, I recently heard an interesting retirement strategy. It was suggested to buy an annuity that will pay your monthly expenses until you pass on, allowing you to spend every last penny of your retirement savings on luxury items like trips, fancy cars, better housing. Basically an eat, drink, and be merry philosophy. I've saved about $1.5 million, and this philosophy says that I should hopefully spend the last of my savings on the last day of my life, letting the annuity pay my monthly basics. Does this make any sense? And what is the weakness in this idea? So this is interesting because you're uh, essentially creating your own pension. And these are referred to usually as immediate payout annuities, where you take a sum of money and you didn't have an employer that gave you a pension. You're taking the money, you're throwing it into this, and it gives you a monthly allowance for as long as you live, and if you live a long, long time, you win. You live a really short time, the insurance company wins, and so it's all an actuarial game. And big commissions on this too? Not No, the commissions are not big on immediate payout annuities, so it's not something you'll hear from salespeople a lot, but it, but it is something that did not work for the last 10 years because interest rates were so low, the insurers couldn't pay a decent return. There are fee-only financial advisors who believe they can build you a better way of doing this using various forms of bonds that you'll be able to have that assurance with a certain sum of your money. More complicated, but I think it's worth sitting down with a fee-only financial planner. I've been a longtime fan and advocate of longevity annuities, where you take your money, uh, some amount of that money, and you buy a longevity annuity that kicks in at typically age 80 or 85. So you can spend all the money you have till your 80th birthday or 85th, knowing that the insurance policy will pay you till you die. Because again, the insurance company is counting on maybe you don't even live to collect the first penny from that at 80 or 85 or you don't live long after that. So if longevity is very common in your family, either of these become more and more favorable as tools. And if there's nobody you wish to inherit any money, they become a potential tool. Lynn in California says, I've learned from Clark how important it is to be aware of fees with investing, but what's considered a high fee for a 401k? My work uses an insurance company, and for the current year, an annual plan administrative expense of 1.68% applies to my account balance. 1.68% administrative fee? We haven't heard a fee that high in how long? That's got to be a long time. And Lynn says, I currently invest only up to the company match. (gasps) 1.68%? Your employer may ha- obviously has their heart in the right place that they're offering a company match. They don't have any idea how to pick a 401k. So a good price 401k, including administrative costs and investment expenses, would be below 0.5 of a percent, one half of 
this is 1.68% just for administrative costs. That is beyond unbelievably high and obviously is an insurance company provided 401k. Wow. So this is a problem. I don't know where you are in the hierarchy in the organization. It would be appreciated if you were to offer the information that the expenses are way too high in the plan. Uh, That's up to you if you think that's something you could say. Otherwise, do exactly what you're doing. Pick up the the amount of money you got to put in to pick up the employer match. Do the rest of investing outside of that at one of my low-cost favorite children, Vanguard Schwab or Fidelity. And you won't be paying expenses like that. In fact, the administrative costs are zero with the three of them. Not 1.68% for your Roth IRA. You only have the embedded costs of the investments you're in, which is can be zero at Fidelity or three one-hundredths of one percent at Vanguard or I think five one-hundredths of one percent at Schwab. What do you think the cutoff is for saying something's a high cost for one of these 401k plans versus... If you're a really small company, all in administrative costs plus investment expenses on the investment choices people go into would be three quarters of 1%. So this is more than double that just for the administrative costs before you even consider the cost of the investment expenses for each investment. That plan is a disaster, plain and simple. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you. And I want you to know, we get so many questions submitted every week. We wish we could get to all of them. We try to over time, get the topics that we're hearing from people. And we appreciate so much you taking the time to reach out to us. Remember, the resources we have available to you at Clark.com, at ClarkDeals.com, and then with our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, where for more than 30 years, we've provided one-on-one free advice, info, and guidance available to you 30 hours each week, You can see how to get that free one-on-one advice at clark.com slash C-A-C. Have a great one.